thank you so much for joining me for episode seven of the Shorter Speaks With podcast. And my name is Shorter Than Bar. I hope everyone is well. And this week I speak with author Owen Brady, the author of Weep the Irish Epidemic. Though he spoke to me about the challenges of setting a post-apocalyptic book in Ireland. Uh, we also compared the fictional epidemic in his book and, of course, the real COVID pandemic and the strange similarities between the two. Uh, he also spoke about what he has learned about marketing as an independent author, and he gives some great advice to other independent authors as well. So all that and much, much more. So please enjoy. Today I am joined by author Owen Brady, who is here to talk to me about his books and in particular, Weep the Irish Epidemic. Uh, hello, Owen. How are you today? Hi, sure, sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, th- thank you for coming. I'm uh, delighted to, that you could join me. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about this fictional pandemic, uh, <laughs> because I've been talking about this real pandemic for a while, so we've been in it for a while. So. Yeah, it's a little bit sick of it now, to be honest, <laughs> fictional and real one. <laughs> Hopefully it's a fictional one. Hopefully we can, in the future, the po- you know, post-apocalypse can stay uh, fictional. Um, because that's interesting <laughs> yeah definitely it's much better on the page it's actually a lot funner on the page as well yeah like i i can imagine you know that when you're reading as well it's like oh this you know th- this is fun this is you know thankfully nothing like this will ever happen and then 2020 <laughs> came along and <laughs> yeah but, it's weird you're reading the papers and you're like there's no way i could put this in a story because <laughs> no one can believe it well we can talk about that later for your future books you know see if you've uh you know if you're inspired from 2020 <laughs> to put in future books um but I, I suppose to start off with uh i can ask you about the book i know you've written a few books but we can start with believe the book is called weep the irish epidemic um so i wonder if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about the plot and some of the characters that we meet in this book yeah it's set in ireland which you know, in hindsight, it was probably a terrible idea because, you know, in I suppose I was sick of seeing all these zombie movies, games, books set in New York. I've been there once, but I don't think I could write a realistic story about anything set there. So I said, right, I'll do one in Ireland. I think I saw someone had written one about Ireland and I think it was uh, Surviving the Evacuation Ireland and it was number four in the series. And, you know, I just, I read the whole thing just to get to that one book because I was so fascinated to see what it would be like from an Irish perspective. No, I haven't heard of that myself. I must, must check it out because, yeah, it, I, um, I, I don't know if you're a fan of The Walking Dead by any chance. Yeah, I, well, I was. Fan. <laughs> but I found, no, it's just, I've kind of, I kind of went off. I don't know if this is just... A lot of me. people have. A lot of people have. But I think the mo- one of the most fascinating things about post-apocalyptic fiction is just when the real world falls and you start yes. this world. And then it just gets boring after a while. It's, a, it's kind of the same, at least in The Walking I mean, I still watch it. I've read all the comics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, the most interesting is basically like 2020, when, <laughs> when, when it first hits and people yeah. are adapting. That's what I find most interesting as well. Oh, yeah. When, like, I, I don't really like any of these things when it goes from the average Joe to military man, mm. you know, over the course of a story. Yeah, guys, I think it's more interesting when you have someone who's worried about, I don't know, finding toilet wipes or something like that. In a because <laughs> I know for me, there's not a hope that I'd be doing anything other than kind of squirreling away and hoping that it just ended. Oh. So I think oh, the yeah. walk dead with me, it was just like a, you've 
there's nothing new that they can do. The, I think I've, I fell off a while ago, um, so I'm not sure where the story is. I think what actually appealed to me was the fall. And in mm. every zombie book since, it's always the fall. I'm kind of less interested. And I think it's harder for people as well to kind of make that interesting. Yeah, d- definitely. It's, um, you know, Fear the Walking Dead started out with the fall. Um, and that I found interesting that, you know, people were, you know, getting on with their normal lives. And then, um, you know, they had to change. And the a video game as well, The Last of Us. I don't know if you heard of that. I'm sure oh, you probably have. Yeah, yeah. such a fast story. Uh, yeah, no, definitely one of the best I've ever come across. And, you know, part one, like the very first scene was for me probably the most interesting, most heartbreaking as well. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being really excited to play that game and I put it on and and I was like, wow, I didn't expect to cry when I was, you know, playing a a zombie game. Uh, Definitely. But, um, but yeah, no, you mentioned that, you know, this book is set in Ireland. I suppose, you know, write what you know is what, you know, I've heard people say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, act, I at least was interested. I told you before we started recording that I believe I, I was searching for post-apocalyptic fiction in Ireland and I didn't find much. And then I saw your book on Facebook and I thought, oh, this, this sounds very interesting. And um, the, the reason I mentioned Walking Dead is because uh, on The Talking Dead, which is a talk show about The Walking Dead, Hosier <laughs> was on it. And he actually mentioned that he didn't think that uh, pandemic or a post-apocalyptic uh, story would work well in Ireland because it's an island. Oh, you're um, right. You know, because <laughs> when you think about it, the population density outside the big cities is grand. All you have to do is step over a gate or into a hedge and you're grand. <laughs> imagine, like I was writing that and I made a joke in it that, you know, someone in rural Kerry probably wouldn't know anything about the end of the world for five months or something like that. Uh, so it's only after it that I've gone like, well, I think I made a mistake saying it in Ireland. Now, how did you deal with that then? How did you deal like with these challenges then of setting a post-apocalyptic book in Ireland then with these challenges that we just mentioned? Uh, I think I just robbed the characters of any means of kind of you know, completely isolated and there's no technology, there's no phones or anything like that, you know, so without the means of kind of contacting everyone else. And it is, it is only isolated in Ireland uh, so far. I think that's how I cheated as well. Another way I was saying it's, you know, after a while it gets stale, it gets boring. So I cheated. So instead of having a global pandemic, it's isolated in Ireland. And then, you know, if it continues, I'll be like, oh, it can start again in this Ireland. It can start again here. So it's just kind of, but then again, that's probably a stale formula as well. You're rehashing it without yeah, getting too deep that's what into I, it. That's what I found interesting as well when I read the, the blur, because this is a pandemic that starts in Ireland and they, they managed to kind of keep it in Ireland, you know, since it's an island as well. It's unlike COVID <laughs> that spread rapidly around the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the, with the real world pandemic, I'm like, yeah, there's no way this would, be, this would stay in Ireland. <laughs> so, yeah. so in the book, how did they keep it just in Ireland then? How did they kind of suppressed the virus? How did it make sure it didn't travel like to the UK and to mainland Europe or around the world? If you can tell us, if it's not a spoiler. No, it's not a spoiler. I, <laughs> well, it's a, I took some liberties by saying, oh yeah, this is fiction. So I just kind of... Sure, why not? <laughs> I put it, I said, yeah, how's that going to work? I said, yeah, it's a very stormy day. There's no planes or anything like that. So, <laughs> you know, I completely cheated. It, it is eventually going to spread. There's no way it's going to going to stay in one country i think that is a spoiler but realistically it's not going to stay in ireland um i 
I suppose setting it in Ireland was an interesting thing as well, because I think when I was writing it, there was a lot of news about immigration. Uh, and I know absolutely nothing about it, but there was, there was a kind of scaremongering. You read, and my knowledge of it was for very surface level, it was just skimming the newspaper. And I was like, what would happen if that was, you know, someone from your backyard? Like if it was an Irish person, and I think Irish people are tend, people tend to look at them favorably. So what would happen if all of a sudden, you know, Ireland was associated with this terrible pandemic or a plague? You know, I don't think people would be too fond of them coming in. So it was an interesting way to talk about that. Yeah, because uh, um, it's, it happened, you know, with, with COVID, you know, first with, uh, with China, you know, that or with Asian people co- traveling around the world, people, you know, didn't want them coming because they thought they would spread the virus. Then it came to Europe and now we're the ones spreading the virus. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, first of all, in, in Italy as well. So that, you know, that, that would be interesting, I imagine. Um, you know, interesting take on it. And um, and so, so then, who is uh, if you could tell us, you know, who you know who who are the main characters in the book? Then, um, th- you know, and uh, what are they trying to do? How are they trying to survive? Then, yeah, the main characters are basically it's uh, the staff of the hotel. There's three of them that come together. It's in Westport. Uh, oh, very nice. Very, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very close to home. I I was living in Westport when I was writing it. I was kind of like, geez, I hope no one here sees themselves in it and goes like. This <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it was actually an outlet because I was working in a bar at the time and I was really annoyed with the golden oldies coming in for, you know, tea and scones. So it was just a, a veiled way of getting my, my own back on them. So it's it's three <laughs> three characters. There's the night porter and a receptionist and a bartender. And basically they're stuck there as the world ends and they kind of have to shore up the place. They're to- it, it kind of, it was an interesting way uh, reading back on it and then reflecting on our own pandemic now is like stay away from public spaces and all this and initially everyone adhered to it but then you wonder after a while without you know there's no time for boredom so people are kind of going like what happens when the food runs out so it was a nice way setting it in ireland kind of you don't have that kind of extremist element that you have in say american zombie fiction where everyone there's no guns there's nothing yeah like, what, you're going to take a hurley stick to a zombie or something like that that's, that's as aggressive as it's going to get um so yeah it's basically about the, the three characters trying to come to terms with it and i think it's essentially trying to what i was trying to do is write and see how far you could push someone before a reader goes like hang on that's not real i would have killed myself long ago you know in that situation so how dark can it get um was still having a bit of levity in it so it's essentially, it's the main character, Finn, uh, his family's on the other side of the country and he decides to spend Christmas working in the hotel to, he's completely isolated himself from family and, and friends and things like that. And he kind of lives off the screen. So it was an interesting way of saying, you know, like people have kind of forced themselves into isolation with technology and that. And he, he kind of did that to an extreme. So then if you take all that away, it's trying to see people building community again with zombies <laughs> so and it takes away any seriousness to it <laughs> no but yeah. that, that's kind of interesting as i said with you know with people isolating over christmas again this this episode will be going out and the new year after christmas hopefully people can at the time <laughs> recording we don't know yeah. where we get christmas <laughs> yeah do you know i should have wrote uh, written a book about someone who won the lottery because you know <laughs> this writing a book about a pandemic and then it happens that was sort of surreal 
yeah that uh, that happened to you that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and all my marketing material had like biohazard signs and i think the tagline was uh death of a nation and i quickly had to change that you know because people mm. are going like that's incredibly inconsiderate and i was like i wish i could write that fast to be that topical <laughs> Well, I, I suppose we can, you know, we can get to it. I, I'll speak more about the book now in a second, but I suppose comparing to what's happening now, when was the book first written and released? Was it, re- was it released before COVID? Yeah, it was, um, geez, it took, I think it took about a year to write. And then it was published in February of this year. Wow, February 2020 then. Yeah, that, that's yeah, really, that's... Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like the never-ending story, except, you know, with zombies again. But that, that's, that's kind of incredible. Like it's, you know, well, it could be great timing because, you know, your book was released right, right before, I mean, the pandemic was already starting, but right before it hit in March, the rest of the world. Oh, well, to be honest with you, when it came out initially, people were, you know, asking, is this an allegory for Brexit? And I was like, how do you get that from Myers Zombie? <laughs> so I'm kind of nostalgic for that time when people are going like, you know, right? the piss out of us and Brexit. Like, I don't know how that would fit in here with a, and uh, post-apocalyptic. Well, I suppose, yeah, if you wanted to get political. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the marketing had changed on that now because it just didn't seem to fit. Um, so it has, um, again, I'm not going to ask you for any specific numbers, but since then, has COVID affected uh, the sales in any way of the book? Do, do you know or do you think either positively or negatively? Because as I told you before recording, you know, this year during... Uh, you know, pandemic at least in 2020, I kind of am drawn to more post-apocalyptic because I'm kind of like, okay, things are not great, you know, in real life, but these characters, they have it so much worse. So I feel yeah. better. <laughs> has, yeah. has kind of that, like, has COVID kind of affected like your, either the, the marketing or promotion or the sales of your book in any way? Yeah, the marketing has gotten really positive. It's like, yeah, they saved 2020 Hellfire, you know, into my post-apocalyptic end of the world fiction. And they're like, yeah, that's, I can do that. That's cheerful. <laughs> but you're, you're right, right, because people have commented on, you know, the fact that they kind of went there looking for, it's like, right, we're in a pandemic, so let's go and let's go to the fiction and see what happens there. And uh, usually there is a happy ever after, I think, in most of these things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I suppose it, it's affected my reading as well. And a lot of people too, people would, you know, the trend has kind of gone away from darker fiction to more positive things. Um, but a lot of people are going to post-apocalyptic fiction i think the sales of it have increased and the although i can't really say whether it was from that of course yeah don't don't need to give specific numbers (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i'm happy to hear that sales i mean it it was one good thing to come out of this pandemic in real life it's that you know hopefully your book will uh you know will increase its sales and um but but yeah and then when you're you know when you're you know, going through a real pandemic as well. Is there anything, is there, are there any similarities to what, you, what you've written or anything that you think, God, I never would have thought of that. Like that, you know, I could never put that down. <laughs> yeah, definitely the, like one thing when I was writing it, it was, you know, people were wearing masks the whole time. And then there was this, this fear of contact with people who aren't infected, you know, so there's this kind of, you know, you want to ward everyone off just for fear of being infected. So I think that that was a weird kind of connection where, you know, 
even now when I'm outside and someone's not wearing a mask or if you're in the queue for a coffee and someone's up beside you, you'll step away from them. You know, so that kind of quiet dread that was in the book is definitely kind of leaked. I can feel that now in the real world. Um, sorry, what was the... Yeah, and her, yeah, no, that's a, that that was the question as well. And any anything that is happening in kind of real life pandemic that uh, that you think, God, I never would have thought of that. I never, you know, would have, you know, would have even thought about that because it's just too crazy. <laughs> probably, probably the naysayers. Mm. Sure, like in, I think in a lot of post-apocalyptic. I I don't think I've ever come across in a post-apocalyptic story where people were there like, ah, oh, it's blown out of proportion, you know, and they just. <laughs> They walk out against all odds. You read it and you're like, ah, this is one of the stupid fellas that dies just purely to show the reader the stakes are high enough in the story that someone will die. So when you see people going around with no mask and saying, you know, like, ah, it's, it's nothing, you know, it's blown out of proportion, you know, maybe, but I don't think that would fly in. I think you have to be more real in post-apocalyptic fiction than people are being in reality about the actual pandemic in a way. Because no, you no. can have a character go out going like, oh yeah, zombies aren't real. It's just <laughs> a weird case of the flu and then walk into a horde of them to prove his point. That's just a flesh wound. It's, <laughs> <laughs> nothing serious. <laughs> walk it off. They're like, yes, that's the point. You will walk it off, but as a zombie. Yeah, no, sure. That's that, that, that Aunt Margaret. You know, she, she looks great. She looks, she looks amazing. You know, she just has a bit of a bad hair day. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah it, walked in months. This thing is great. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is weird how um, you know how in real life because that's what I mentioned to you as well. Steven Soderbergh, the director of that movie that whose name I've forgotten, uh, with Matt Damon, uh, the, which was very prescient, um, you know, ten years ago, where people, you know, were wearing masks and keeping social distancing. Oh, I I think I know the one. Is it? It's not pandemic or contagion, is it? Contagion. That's it. thank you. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was actually that was. I love watching that film because it's so close to reality. And that's yeah, I, I saw that this year. I don't know if I should, but I was kind of like, should I? But then I was like, yeah, okay, I'm curious. <laughs> and I was amazed at how much it got right in it. <laughs> I, I was actually looking at the full hazmat suit in the film going like, when is it okay to wear that? In the <laughs> well, you, you know, at the beginning of this, you know, pandemic. Not sure if I should say this, but I, I will anyway. I'm, I'm so far ahead now. At the beginning, I was thinking of, you know, I never would have done it, but just going into the office with a hazmat suit, <laughs> just to play, play a practical joke on my colleagues, but I probably would have been sacked or at least going to HR. <laughs> that like, sure, sure, that's not funny. Or, you know, I was, I was stuck in my... I probably ask you where they could get one. Yeah, probably. I know I would low-key going like, yeah, I, fair play to you. That, what mean, a bold move. Because the this, people were afraid to wear masks. I know I was self-conscious, sort of, at the beginning, going like, oh, geez, I feel like a tit. <laughs> but now it's completely upturned. You're looking at people not wearing it, going like, geez, that's a tit. Exactly, yeah. Why, why aren't you wearing a mask now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, because... And, and then I, I was stuck in my village down in Wexford for the first lockdown. I got, I got stuck down there. And, uh, and then I was, I was, again, very, very tempted to just, you know, go around the village and like The Walking Dead, just shout, Carl! Carl! <laughs> <laughs> or, or something. But I haven't, I haven't actually done any of this. 
um, because I don't actually want to be murdered. So. Yeah, it's a, like a wish list for the third pandemic or third lockdown. For <laughs> the past time. Oh, um, but but yeah, no. It, I mean, it's definitely you know very uh, you know perfect timing of the release of your book during this uh, COVID as well. And um, does, does uh, has COVID given you ideas on? Actually, no. I meant to say as well that Steven Soderbergh said as we were talking that the, the anti-maskers that he said it doesn't make sense. As he was saying that he never would have thought of putting them in. There was Jude Law's character who was a conspiracy theorist. But even then, like, it's kind of mild compared to what we're seeing and hearing now. <laughs> yeah, um, his character was realistic because he, yeah. was, he was taking advantage of it and he wanted to make money off it. So I could completely buy into that. You know, he was selling this uh, placebo drug and he had shares in it. And he was kind of on his podcast. He was going like, yeah, this works. I have for Scythia. I have this disease. Mm. I've taken this thing and grand it. You know, while he still walks about <laughs> in a full hazmat suit. That was believable. I enjoyed that level of realism in it. Um, but he's right. Like, you could never write... A, I couldn't write one now and say, like, people refuse to wear masks. Because it just doesn't make sense in fiction <laughs> at all. Yeah, it, it's like, just... Yeah. <laughs> if, if you novelized this pandemic or someone could do that and send it back in time and people read it and go, like, that's ridiculous. This is, there's no way people would do that. So like it, it is weird. And when you question me and you asked, have I gotten any, um, I suppose, material for books going forward? Definitely. I think I've, like, I'm sick of taking newspaper clippings now and writing things down. Like I've stopped doing it because it's just too much. <laughs> so, I mean, it must be like a, in one sense, a godsend. It's like, oh, yes, a real life pandemic, like so much now. Yes, but I did not say that out loud because I was like, oh, yeah. Probably, probably I, best I, not I, I can say it for you. I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> But and, and then again, w without getting you know political, but certain other political leaders around the world who are also refusing to accept that this exists. Again, you just wouldn't believe it if this is fiction. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you you really couldn't. Like I suppose I, I don't know enough about it to talk to, to mm. even get political. But the whole thing about Trump, mm. and they and the whole thing, and then catching it, you're just like that. It's <laughs> that's, that's a comedy right there. So it is. Oh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's it's just, you know, incredible. But um, but yeah, now back to back to your book then, which is more realistic than what's actually happening in real life, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, there is, uh, with, with the zombies, from what I read now, full of, you know, admission, I haven't had a chance to read it yet because I was hoping to finish another book for another author, but I couldn't. Uh, but I will read this book hopefully by the time this podcast this episode comes out um it's called weep and uh, from what uh, i've read of reviews and of the blurb the, the zombies are are weepers is that correct yeah and it's only when it's only recently actually that someone sent me a link to uh it's another game i can't remember what it's called oh anyway there's a game where there are weepers in it they get infected it was a dishonored that's the name of it Oh, and right, yes. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a great concept. And then there was a link, and I clicked on it. I was like, ah, oh, crap. So, you know, and I <laughs> typed in weeping. So I was like, thankfully, it's not big enough for the company and the designers to be like, here, hang on. This fella needs a lawsuit. You know? <laughs> oh, just <laughs> so a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it was the idea of it came from um, like Irish cleaners and people that wept at funerals. And I was like, what is creepy? Does. I suppose the creepiness with zombies is that there is no 
reasoning with him. Like for <laughs> right. my dad, Darlick, like there was no reasoning with him. He used to hide behind the sofa. He probably still would if you put on Doctor Who and the Daleks came on. <laughs> and for me, it was Darby O'Gill's, the Banshee and Darby O'Gill, that still gives me goosebumps because there's no reasoning with it. So I think that was more my kind of inspiration for that was to make humans that are, you know, diseased and maybe a little bit more intelligent than zombies and usual fiction and probably, you know, like if someone is sick and cries, you're going to go over and comfort them. So maybe mm. I was like, oh, that's, if they weep, people go over, they get infected. So have a kind of, I suppose it's like that thing in The Last of Us, you need an emotional kind of tug. So like if a child's weeping, of course you're going to go over, it's, it's human nature. From the reviews as well, because they've been mostly positive from what I've read that, um, you know, that they said that this was a new take on the zombie genre. Because again, the zombie genre is really overpopulated now, oversaturated. But yet, from what people have been saying, that this is a new take. Um, so, I suppose, how do you go into writing, apart from setting it in Ireland, which is itself different, uh, in an oversaturated market like a post apocalyptic fiction market, how, how did you go in to try and make it stand out or try and make it different to the rest? I suppose I. I wasn't really focused too much on the zombie genre because I've read, it wasn't really my, um, it wasn't my cup of tea before writing this. So to be honest, I started with a story that I wanted to tell. Or no, it started with a scene actually. I remember like, this is about 10 years ago where I had the idea for this. I remember I was in college, it was skint. My friend's birthday was coming up and we were all mad into zombie media. So I said, you know what, I'll write a short story. And it was essentially him sitting on the bow of a tree with a noose around his neck and a bite on his leg and he's just you know about to let go of the tree and go off but uh, and then there's someone who's in the bushes and he can't have a conversation or a mutual one because there's zombies around so it's just a little soliloquy of him taking the piss basically before he dies <laughs> i like that element of kind of like literal gallows humor because you know irish <laughs> Irish people might have a different take or a darker take on it or some people might go oh, that's a bit dark but you know, people in Ireland be like oh you're only having the crack or something like that you know so it was kind of that kind of sat in the back of my mind somewhere and then only recently I thought oh Jesus you know what there's a story there so I started with that and I, I suppose I just wanted to to see how far you could push someone realistically and I wanted a real take on it like I don't I don't want I suppose it's unrealistic to begin with, the zombies. And I, even in the story, they're like, ah, that's, you know, say a couple of months into the pandemic, they're like, they need to come up with another word. This is a bit, because people are, you know, they're not taking it seriously. <laughs> like, um, the, how they norm, name uh, storms in Ireland, like Storm Peggy is in the book. And you get some ridiculous names for life-threatening storms. So uh, that's where Weepers came up. I was like, yeah, I suppose... It, I wanted them to be infected people because with an element of that you can't reason with them. So mm. the weepers and this, like all zombies, they take the place of uh, mother nature. So it's man against nature, woman against nature, human against nature. And you just have to tell stories about what keeps people keeping on. Like what the easiest option obviously is, well, not the easiest on, but you'd imagine a lot of these cases when people have no no, there's no returning to the old way of things. You know, mm. how, do, how do you go on? Like, what stops someone from killing themselves? So it's a really cheerful story. 
really cheerful story yeah. for, <laughs> for for a pandemic living. But, you know, you mentioned as well, like Irish people with a dark sense of humor. So I imagine that some of that comes across in the book as well. <laughs> Hopefully, because I know in a, lot of, in, a lot of this, in a lot of the genre, it is pure escapist fantasy. Because, you know, with post-apocalyptic fiction, it always has to have this, it always has to be set in reality. It has to be mm. next to our world. Otherwise, it's not believable. That's where you get that thrill and the creepiness from. So like, Jesus, that could happen. Um, but a lot of it is then pure uh, wish fulfillment. Like, you know, you're stuck in a relationship or a dead-end job and you're just wandering the same routines and you're like, Jesus, how do I get out of this? Zombies, you know, and then you can kind of, you know, it levels everyone as well. Like a zombie doesn't care if you have a master's degree. It's not going to give a damn it's going to bite you anyway so it is mm-hmm. an element of bringing everyone down to the same kind of floor and then you kind of work from there it's from the blurb as well the main character has to use mentioned traveling across ireland which um i mean ireland is not the biggest country so it's not like traveling across the united states <laughs> yeah but i can that. i can imagine during this uh post-apocalyptic you know zombie infested world it would be more difficult <laughs> Yeah, not really. It's barely an inconvenience, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> when, that's why I was saying, geez, Ireland isn't... Maybe this is why there's not so many books set in Ireland. So Ireland hasn't changed that much then? <laughs> no, I, th- I think initially the story, the idea began with Book Tree. What, what became Book Tree? It was basically the main character going down the Boyne, uh, traveling by rivers across, you know, a ravaged Ireland. So he's, you know, when you think of all the hedgerows, farms, roads, and walls, you know, he's not going to be hampered that much by zombies. So <laughs> just that's, that's where it started. And I don't think, the zombies don't really play that much of a part in later ones, to be honest with you. It's more, it's more of a foil to, like, I need some reason why someone isn't working a nine to five and is, because anyone going down the river, you know, having a good time, people go like, Jesus, there must be something wrong with that fella. <laughs> you know we're in post-apocalyptic fiction it's okay i think that was it though there's an element of isolation to it as well i'd like to explore so in ireland i think in the next book he goes he goes by river so okay I think, like the i put um i watch call it i wrote most of this year actually i didn't get that much writing done this year with the pandemic but i did put out a a short novella about and it's basically all him on the river meeting people in ring forts so i suppose that's there was mild wish fulfillment for me because you know you can't leave five kilometers outside of your your home <laughs> so yeah so in, the, in this book you know he's walking down so it's like oh lucky guy you might be, there might be zombies but he can walk within five kilometers <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually another thing that someone on twitter mentioned with the last of us part two that they said, okay, this is, you know, a terrible world and all, but here are all the things that they can do that we can't do. They, you know, they don't need to keep social distancing, nobody wearing a mask, and all yeah. of these things, which I found hilarious. <laughs> where, where are the mounds of toilet paper that people were hoarding? You know, like, <laughs> I should have been in these games all along. I know, right? It's funny the, the things we pick up on. <laughs> yeah, so the, Sorry, go on. No, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. If no, I was just going to say, that's, that's probably going to be, I'm going to milk that for a chapter or two now in the next book. Yeah, definitely. Things we've learned from, from COVID. 
Uh, you know, yeah. you, you having, you know, imagine enough to put out. I can imagine in the years to come, we're going to have like post-COVID, <laughs> a lot of post-COVID books that were... Um, yeah, non-fiction, or, the toilet paper wars. Yeah, or, you know, during the lockdown <laughs> as well. But um, that could be another idea maybe. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so then you're, you, this is a series, is it? You're planning on making this a series, you mentioned, that there's uh, you have other books in the pipeline? Yeah, so... Basically, the first one just deals with uh, shit hitting the fan, essentially. And then, so the main goal of the main character is he's isolated on one end of the country and he has to make it across to the other end of the country to see his family and, I suppose, die with them. Again, cheerful. Um, <laughs> but so the, the whole series is about him making it across the country and then eventually getting home. Um, which, you know, I suppose doesn't seem realistic because I used to commute up and down to Westport constantly and it took me about three and a half hours so to milk four books out of it was a bit <laughs> you're oh, well, it, it, it is a pandemic so t- things can can change <laughs> and are there are there people looking for a cure or a you know a vaccine or anything at all in the book as well or have they just accepted it that <laughs> um see in the in the second book to kind of deal combat that i was I started it from the beginning again. So the second book happens in tandem to the first one with a completely different cast of characters and you kind of deal with it then. But someone, someone actually left a review that I thought was interesting. He's there like, finally, someone uh, is writing something about this and they kind of ignore what caused it. And I thought, actually, that's, that's an interesting point. Because like, if it happened and all communication went down, I, you know, the boundaries of your world would diminish considerably mm. i wouldn't care what was going on in wales or london <laughs> or new york i just my neighborhood so i don't i would never know what caused it and i thought that that was interesting but i don't yeah. know if i can fly for a story because i'm i'm always interested but i don't know if i'm always um let down as well so i'm i'm worried about letting people down because i know what causes it but i'm like <laughs> ah, that's that's well, oh, the, I mean, in The Walking Dead, we never find out what causes it. So, <laughs> yeah, but is that no? I was gonna, I'm not knocking it, but that's that's one thing that would keep me interested. Like, what's causing yeah. it? Because I remember that yeah. scene when uh, the scientist, mm. was like, you know, will eventually figure something out. It's like that's really interesting, uh, but I suppose that's where it falls off as well. And I'm I'm worried going ahead that maybe if I introduce what caused it, will people lose interest? But I don't know. Like. Uh, my main interest is the characters, so I suppose I can juggle it too. Yeah, sure. No, but that's what Robert Kirkman, the creator of Walking Dead, said that you know he wasn't interested in what uh, caused it. He just wanted to focus on the characters and how they survived, and he thought it'd be a distraction, saying, "Oh, this, you know, whatever came from space or whatever." <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Like I watched a lot of that, and you know, you're not thinking what caused it. Yeah, you forget about it. <laughs> One theory was aliens, and I was like, "Yeah, I really don't need." <laughs> that alien supernatural stuff in my realistic zombie fiction oh I, exactly well i mean game of thrones and zombies as well so yeah um, you don't actually think of them as zombies That's i mean yeah they're night walkers but <laughs> and uh it, it's there it is um yeah, irish people will notice but does dr tony hula make an appearance in later books or the, the chief medical <laughs> officer <laughs> does he no, try and get people to like keep, keep away from each other and <laughs> do you remember that news report oh 
I, I have the name here, but remember there was a Teresa, is it Teresa Manuel? She goes like, don't make any unnecessary journeys. <laughs> it's like a few years ago when there were storms and she yes, yes. was like, going to be remembered for that one, one thing. She's actually in the book. I thought that. Is she? Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. Now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. So real people are in, are in the book. <laughs> I got a chocolate of putting her in there. But, uh, <laughs> So if there, if there was ever a you know Netflix series or a or a movie you know she she might actually be in it. <laughs> well, I can't imagine because like when when you got in contact with me, I was like, geez, people are actually <laughs> no, this is there. I can't imagine there'll be a Netflix thing anywhere down the line. You never know, you know. Maybe after this podcast, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, like geez, this fella has no idea what he's doing, and he's writing a four book series. You know, like yeah. yeah. You could put it in the mystery genre straight away. But I, I think a lot of us are like that, though. Like, we pretend we know what we're doing, but we really don't. Yeah, so I, <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I, I think you do, from what I've heard you do. Um, but, um, but yeah, any, any idea, because I know that you are busy with your work as well and, and, it, and everything, but any idea when the second book will, uh, will come out, or is it just when it's ready? Oh, well, it was supposed to be out yesterday. Oh, okay, in November. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was meant to be out on the 20th, but with the pandemic and all that, it just completely flew by me. So I hopefully this year, but I didn't set a date for it uh, because it would just be more disappointment and stress. Right, so, yeah, so ho- hopefully it'll have been out by 2020. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. I want to I just finish this one to get back to writing romance, to be like, all right, this is, this is cheerful. Like, no more, <laughs> no more writing... Writing horror pandemic stuff during a pandemic is zero crack. So, so yeah, so you mentioned you write uh, romance. So you've written other books then, uh, correct? Uh, so what, uh, I, I see you've written I'm Not Saying It and A Ring of Oak and Apple. So are they very different to, to Weep? Initially, I, I set out to write, I had one story to write before I knew I wanted to be a writer. I just wanted to tell one. And I spent about 10 years doing that. And it's terrible. And it's about 300,000 words long and when I went to, you know, shop it for editing, it was an astronomical figure, rightly so, because it was the first novel. Mm. It, was 300, it was no right being 300,000 words long. And I said, you know, I put a lot of myself into that. I don't want to fail on that. So I put a lot of myself into a different work and failed on that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not saying it. It was the first time that a story came to me completely whole. It was the first time where inspiration sparked and you're just the whole way no writing the ideas down was great it's like that's deadly and then you had to write it and it's like geez that's a slog um yeah it's it's an it's a romance that follows a travel blogger and she spends a week on inish man so and she falls in love which after writing fantasy was weird it's like geez how do you how do you move the story along without killing anyone (laughs) how do you tease out a kiss for a book essentially and, but it, it was it was a lot of fun. So I moved out to Inishman to be there to write the book. And I thought, oh, this this really builds a bit of mystique to it and gives it a bit of life. Since you're an independent author, how do you go about promoting you know your books and getting the word out there? Because I believe you mentioned as well that you did a, you've put up a Facebook ad for Weep. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I suppose I, it's a. It's an expensive test, I suppose. And all the things I've tried, it has been, you know, I'm 
essentially trying and failing until I succeed. But I'm failing at a lot of different things. So I'm kind of, you have to look at the positive side of it going like, well, I don't have to fail at that again. Uh, so I suppose with the marketing end of it, what I'm learning now is that I've, I've, I suppose I'd just be the, the poster child of what not to do. You know, so there you have, I'm not saying it. Uh, when I went into that, I, I didn't know the market before I went in and that was a cardinal sin. I didn't read romance and I didn't read zombie fiction. You know, I'm, I'm fantasy science fiction, true and true. Uh, so I didn't read them. So when I, when it came, I'd written this story and I thought, well, if you enjoy writing, you, you have a general knowledge of it, it begins in a romance, they kiss and then it ends. No one dies, hopefully. Um, and that, that was my roadmap to it. Um, but you can tell I made mistakes early on. I didn't, I didn't, there's no adversity. So I'm going to have to go back. And add, add yeah. To it. And yeah. Like essentially, like, I suppose it is all about escapism, what I enjoy writing about. So you have a travel blogger and that always interested me. It's like, mm. how does, how does someone travel the world and make money doing it? And then I looked into it and then got really cynical about it. So that in itself was great fodder for a story. So if someone, so she's, what should have happened and I think I'm going to take that one down <laughs> and then I'm going to make that be the second book in the series. Um, but yes, yeah, adversity in the first one, will they, won't they? And then the second one. So it's a bit more, it does, there's a natural flow to it, but cover for one before you get anywhere near the marketing. When I put that book up with that cover, I had no idea who the target audience was. I didn't know if I was selling, you know, it's a sweet romance. It's not steamy. Like there's, mm reverse harem i didn't know was a thing until i started looking up things and i was like oh, oh i didn't know what, what, what is reverse harm i don't think i've heard of that there's a lot of men with an aversion to shirts on the cover so i'm assuming it has you know there's there's devilment in it you know whereas <laughs> i'm not saying it you know you get more steam from a cold kettle than you would from that book i think it, it alluded to off scene so you know, I didn't know who I was selling to. I didn't know who my contemporaries were. I just used the big name authors like Cecilia Hearn. That's a big one. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'll just market people who like Cecilia Hearn. But that's like um, a horror writer trying to market to someone who likes Stephen King. It's so broad and it's not going to work. So I suppose the mistake with that one was the cover didn't fit. So right. if that wasn't going to sell it, and that's, I suppose that's a daunting thing as well. If you're an independent publisher, it's not your work initially that sells it. It's someone else's art. So you get the cover done. And I made a lot of mistakes. Um, like when the cover designer asked me, like, what do you want? Straight away, that's a mistake because I haven't a clue. <laughs> I should have just said, whatever sells, you know, take out your attachment to it and just say, whatever is going to sell the most amount of books, just give me that, you know, for this genre. So I, I have made a few mistakes there. Uh, and right now, I suppose I'm just relying on Facebook. I've given BookBub a go which seems to be yes. the best place to market your book. You know, but I suppose it's different audiences for different things. Amazon is great, but it's, it, it's, I'm slowly working on it. I suppose marketing is my biggest mistake to date. And it's the slowest thing I've kind of gotten around to. Cause when I was younger and I realized that writing was a job, I went straight to the craft section to look up how to be a writer. What I should have done was spent just as much time in learning how to be a marketer. You know, and now that, that I found that very off-putting initially when I wanted to set mm. up was the fact that you have to, not off-putting, but daunting. It's like, you're not just a writer. You're also 
you know the marketer which is a whole different skill set yeah i mean that's kind of common with <coughs> excuse me with independent authors from what i've heard that they like the writing part of it but they kind of don't want to deal with the whole marketing and promotion because i mean you mentioned stephen king cecilia Hearn, like they have whole teams of people dealing with the marketing they don't have to oh, worry yeah. about marketing <laughs> yeah like <coughs> different things work for different people like for me even this podcast i've been straddling a panic attack the whole way through just because <laughs> it's so beyond my comfort zone um, and that's exactly what it's like marketing you're trying to sell something and upsell it where i'd be i'd happily you know carry on that reclusive writer stereotype and just <laughs> not not engage with anyone but i suppose you have to mm. like the, you can write as many books as you want but unless you do it the marketing end of it no one's going to read it and some people are fantastic at it like i've seen you i suppose you're not you're not breaking new ground i'm just copying what other people are doing i'm learning from what other people are doing you know you think i would have learned from their mis mistakes and not made them but I thought I'd give them a go too, just to see if they're wrong. <laughs> no. So you might as well, as long as, you know, it sounds like you are learning from your mistakes at least, which everyone kind of, I think everyone of, you know, the people I've spoken to, like they all make mistakes as well. So, um, but it sounds like you're, again, with this, you know, we're self-deprecating, but it seems like you are doing, you know, things that are right as well, particularly with Weep, that there are people who are aware of it and that like it, so. Oh yeah, um, like the difference, between this one and the romance one is staggering. Like I, on my sales dashboard, I might get a blip now and again from, I'm not saying it. And I'm like, hmm, something must be wrong with Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's the difference between the two. And it was just, it was, it was eye-opening because I had kind of implemented all the, the information that I took from the mistakes of the first one and put them into week two, or week. I was like, wow, it works. You know, so, so that, that's great, great to hear that. So again, as I said just a few minutes ago, you can maybe put zombies in I'm not saying it. And, <laughs> uh, see if that works. You know, romantic post-apocalyptic zombie fiction. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. But... Actually, <laughs> there might be a bit in the second one. Uh, I tried. It's more romantic because in the first one, it's will they, won't they, will Finn find Selene on the other side of Ireland. Uh, and in this one, the two, the couple find each other. But you know straight away someone's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> it is a zombie post-apocalyptic yeah. fiction after all. So <laughs> yeah. there's not much of a spoiler there going like yeah. <laughs> and the, the the last thing I wanted to to ask you about is um your your writing schedule. So I know you have a, a day job, um, I believe as well. And so where do you find a time to to write these books? So how how do you set aside time? to write these books and do your job and then presumably have a bit of a life as well. <laughs> oh, easy. You just don't have a life. <laughs> I mean, and even then 20, it's difficult. In 2020, we haven't had much of a life, you know, it's a lot of people anyway, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, people, how, how, what is your writing schedule like then? Do you write during the night or in the evenings or how do you set time aside uh, to really write these books? When I, I used to follow a schedule where I would set a certain amount of time aside and I would just write then. And if I missed it, you know, it was a mental health kind of thing. Like if you missed it, you felt down, you felt terrible, you weren't going to do it. Even though all I had to do was sit down and write. So what I do now is um, I'll set writing sprints. So I'll say set 20 minutes on the phone. Cause like I, I tried writing longhand and then I realized, hang on, 
I now have to transcribe a whole novel. <laughs> you know, so it's a complete waste of time for me. Mm. Uh, plus, I, I suppose with writing sprints, it's a great way of doing it because you focus then on writing and I'm not going to check Facebook. I'm not going to, you know, check and see if the cat's still alive or any excuse <laughs> to not write. So writing sprints really help. I kind of, you set 20 minutes aside and you write as much as you can and you don't self-edit. So the goal really is word count. So you're just putting words in the bank and that will steadily build up over time. Um, and that's kind of what happened with this one, this last book. I haven't had much time to do it. So it's kind of, that's why I, it's late. I mm. suppose. I'd love to be able to just sit down and write all day, but it just, it's not, not at the moment. So writing sprints definitely for me help and having a plan kind of saved me because I didn't have a plan with the first book and that cost me an entire novel. Um, mm. So, and a lot of people advocate for sprinting, but if you don't have a plan, what's the point in running in the wrong direction? So sprinting and a plan and that's me. So if you have 20 minutes spare, like on a lunch break, I'll sit down and say, right, 20 minutes and I'll type away on the phone. And then that builds and builds and builds. But it's a very slow process. Like if you actually think about the forest and you're just planting seeds for a tree, you're mm. like, this is going to take a long time. Yeah, again, uh, St- Stephen King and Cecilia Hearn, you know, they, they don't have day jobs or book marketing. They can just do it, you know, in their own time. They can just sit down. And so that's, that's all the questions that I have for you now, actually. Uh, I know we've gone over time as well. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that we haven't discussed at all? You just want to end the interview, I imagine. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, not at all. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm joking. But. I'd be an anxious person anyway, so if it looks like I'm a deer in headlights, that's just me, it's not the, the questions. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't know, to be honest with Actually, you. Actually, no, where, where can people find you? You know, where can people find, apart from on Amazon and that, I presume that they're on Kindle then as well. Where can people find out more? Do you have a website yourself? Yes, but I wish I had done more with it now before you asked that question. <laughs> okay, we can edit that out if you wish. Oh, oh no, I'm money messing. It's um, uh, own, own Brady Books. Oh, no, is it? Yeah, ownbradybooks.com. Yeah. Own Brady, so it's E-O-I-N-B-R-A-D-Y. Yeah, I didn't know that. Was, I thought I was being really helpful to the people across the pond in America by taking the fodder out of my name because there was no way they were going to get that. But any of the Americans, when they try to pronounce it, they're like, is it Ian? I don't know. It's something Irish. So... Maybe type in something Irish zombie book. I I might come up. I know exactly what you're going through with my name. So. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the, the final thing I meant to ask you as well as what what to ask authors is uh, your opinion on ebooks versus uh, paperback and hardback books. Because I have friends who have never read an ebook and they refuse to read an ebook. <laughs> um, so what what is your opinion on you know do you read on ebooks as well or do you just read on paperback books or or what's your what's your opinion? <laughs> oh, I love both. I think I've kind of. Mm. I've, I'm indifferent. I'm building to, to or indifferent to the argument because you know people want to. I think there's a new argument there. It's like people who enjoy audiobooks. I'm like, well, it's, oh, in- I've never done that myself. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, whoever you want to enjoy your story, do. Um, to me, I remember long dark commutes to Dublin, and you couldn't read a paperback on the bus. So you know, or at night, you just break open the Kindle. So right. paper is almost like a treat to me now because I'm always on the Kindle. But you kind of get. Uh, bored of it just tapping the screen whereas if you have a book yeah. you, get that, you have the progress bar in your hand so kind of <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm happy the two, the two exist i think they work well together
yeah they both complement each other yeah no i can think i'm the same like i I do like reading paperback books but then especially when traveling i like to take my kindle um other ebooks are available but (laughs) um uh, yeah, okay. I think that that is it for now. Then, uh, so thank you so much for joining me, Owen. I'm looking forward to reading your book. Weep. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I. It's uh, and I, I hope I don't. I hope I hope I don't weep like in the Last of Us. <laughs> Although if I do, then it means that I'm enjoying it. So. Well, uh, well, hopefully, yeah. And it's not you weeping, going like Jesus. Why did I interview this chap? <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it. I'm, you know, as I said, I've done my research. People have enjoyed your book, so. And I'm sure people who listen to the podcast, if they, you know, if they have any interest at all in, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic fiction or, you know, or even romance, then they can try it out. And again, reviews have been There's positive. Neck-biting even... in both. <laughs> That's a good one. Neck-biting in both. Ooh. Yeah, it's just a little bit stronger in one, but I'll leave that up. <laughs> well, I don't know which one now. I'll have to read the two <laughs> to, to find out. So, um, and uh, best of luck. Uh, hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, uh, your second book will have been uh, out then. So, and, uh, pressure, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, we can keep in touch then. So, deadly. Hopefully. So, thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Owen Brady. I hope you enjoyed it with the self-deprecating Owen Brady. Um, he he is actually a good author. His books have got very good reviews, so don't mind Owen. He uh, um, and if you want to read his books, if you want to check out his book, which I would encourage people to do, you can do so on Amazon and anywhere that sells books, and the links will be in the show notes. Um, so if you want to help out this podcast, you can do so a number of ways for free. As always, you can subscribe uh, to get all episodes automatically. Uh, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash shorter speaks with and rate and review the podcast in those links there. If you so wish, all for free. And uh, if you want to become a guest on this podcast, you can go to shortestspeakswith.com forward slash be my guest and you can uh, apply to become a guest there if you so wish. The link will, again will be in the show notes of this uh, this episode. Um, so with that, next week I will be joined by game developer Georg Hopmeyer as he spoke to me about his game, well his games, and mainly about his game about a political refugee from Syria. So until then, take care. Goodbye.